Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Please Hustle Responsibly podcast. Today, I'm here with Christina Veltri, Danielle Lewis, and Tim Williams. And later on, Matt Cole will be joining us. Um, but today, I'm going to do a mental health check-in with Christina Veltri. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, this week had a little bit of anxiety happening, but I think that spring is right around the corner, so... I'm optimistic about that. How are you doing, Magro? I'm doing good. Yeah, we had fake spring here in Chicago. So we had like a couple nice days. Um, so that was really nice to like open up the windows and stuff like that. Um, I'm I'm feeling good. You know, I just finished my like Paramount Fitness series that we were doing. So I've been like continuing doing that and like uh, waking up a little bit earlier and finding a like fitness routine. So that feels good. Just trying to stick to it. Um, and I'm really excited to have Danielle Lewis and Tim Williams with us today of Four Souls. How are you doing today, Danielle? Uh, I'm doing well. Um, I'm like Christina. There were a few days where it was like um, a little anxious, maybe like getting over winter and just lives forever. You think we would learn after living here for so long. Um, yeah, but feeling good. Um, working a little bit, which is weird um, after not for so long, or at least like not steadily. So kind of coming back to that and like getting my head around having work again. But well, otherwise. Tim, how are you doing? Good. I'm good. I mean, I, I think the I think fake spring, honestly, fake spring was actually kind of nice. Like it was nice to just remember that that's that like that's coming, you know. Like that was cool. It just like even though it's it then proceeded to snow like two inches, like completely out of nowhere. Um, fake spring was dope. Like it was like, hey, by the way, like just keep your shit together for like a few more weeks, and like this is what's coming. And like it, the best thing about Chicago is that like it wasn't even that it was like fifty five degrees. Like it wasn't it wasn't that even that it was even that nice. It just wasn't as terrible as it has been. And so like I love that like collectively as a city we're like this is we'll, we'll take this. So I don't know. I feel fine. I think we had a Danielle and I have had a good week. Um, I mean a stressful week. Openings are always stressful, but like it's like this is a time that I'm genuinely grateful to have the work. And so like that trumps all the other stuff is still there, but like, there's a nice sort of like light at the end of the tunnel or just like a constant reminder that like, there are people that don't have much to do right now. And like, we have a few things and that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I'm super excited to hear what you guys have going on with everything that you're doing. But first, do you mind um, telling folks who aren't in the Chicagoland area, a little bit about who you are as individuals. Uh, Tim, would you like to go first? Uh, sure. Uh, my name is Tim Williams, um, founder, creative director for Poor Souls. Um, we do a number of things um, within the beverage, I don't know, industry space. Uh, it's gotten very fluid over the last year. Um, I personally am from here, born and raised um went to school here and then kind of stuck around after college because i more or less started working 
started working in the industry in college and then kind of knew what I was going to do for a while and didn't really see the need to get out. Um, and I just kind of felt comfortable here. I mean, obviously it's where I'm from. Um, yeah, so have been at it for a while. Uh, Danielle and I have known each other for quite some time. Um, and, uh, it's just been, it's been great to, to really, I think now more so than I have in the past, um, really, really just like lock in to what poor souls could be or might be or is. Um, and she's really helped realize that. And so, um, yeah, that's, I mean, in a nutshell, like I'm just a Chicago kid who, you know, I'm here because my family's still here. My business is here and it's just kind of, you know, it's where I'm at. I'm not somebody with like a ton of wanderlust. Like I love traveling, but like, I also love coming home. So like, <laughs> I'm not like, I'm not like, oh, like it would be tied to live in like Baltimore. Like I, I've just never, it's just never naturally occurred to me. Um, and so I'm just a Chicago kid doing the Chicago stuff. Nice. I don't think anybody thinks it would be tight to live in Baltimore. <laughs> I don't know where <laughs> Baltimore the city came from. <laughs> It was, it just, it popped into my head. But like, you know, like Denver seems cool, but I'll see you go there for like four days and I'm like, all right, I get it. Like there's mountains, which are beautiful. Don't get me wrong. Every three months I got to get out. But like when it comes to like home base, like I need, I need a home, you know, I need somewhere to like settle into. Like if I was just like constantly looking for the next city to go to, like I can't, I respect the shit out of those people. And I love like when my friends are like, I think it would be better if I wasn't here or if I wasn't where I currently am. I get those people, but I also don't get those people at all. Like, <laughs> I never understood you. that. <laughs> so, I'm exactly yes. the same. <laughs> also, I definitely plan on going to Baltimore soon. Like, it seems like a pretty cool town to, like, hang out in for, like, three days. Exactly. I went to Baltimore for 24 hours on accident once. Like, we took the wrong flight there. Asked you learn about that. Um, and <laughs> we were supposed to be going to Boston, but she booked travel to Baltimore. So I had 24 hours of a great time, but I don't feel like I would actively uh, like be like, I don't know. I, I would prefer to stay in Chicago versus Baltimore. <laughs> like I may be biased, but I think Chicago is better. I just like, I like those kinds of, t- like, I love, like, I had a buddy at a bachelor party in Cleveland and I was like, people are like, you're going to Cleveland? And I was like, yeah, dude, it's going to be awesome. And we had like the coolest weekend in Cleveland because like we had a kid who is born and raised, loves Cleveland. And he was like, I'm going to show you the coolest shit in Cleveland. And so like Cleveland, Detroit, like Indianapolis, Baltimore, like give me those kinds of towns that are like, they're, you know, they're, they have, they have some cool shit. Anyway, Baltimore. We clearly Danielle. have to go now, Danielle. <laughs> pit, beef, pit beef problems. <laughs> Danielle's not from Baltimore. <laughs> um, uh, I'm Danielle Lewis. I am half of Poor Souls. Um, I am from Kentucky, originally Louisville, Kentucky. I've been in Chicago since 2002, so half of my life. Um, so it sort of sometimes feels like this is also home, um, in a lot of ways. Um, I have spent all of my industry life in Chicago, um, everything, nightclubs, fine dining, um, you name it. I have attempted it. (laughs) Um, and I love it here. Uh, I'm like Tim. I love going places. I love visiting other cities. I've 
friends all over the U.S. And but I love coming back here and calling this home. And so uh, it feels a, like I'm half Kentucky and half Chicago now. So um, I started working with Tim on Poor Souls. We met like 10 years ago opening No Coat. And he was like, hey, I have a stupid idea. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and yeah, that's how I ended up, we ended up together. So how did that conversation go? Like, Tim, what was the stupid idea? Honestly, I don't. So the way that Poor Souls came about was I knew that I wanted to do something um, I knew that I wanted to do something that wasn't just going to find another job somewhere, but I was like still pretty, I mean, relatively young, but I feel like being 25 in the industry is basically being a baby. Like mm-hmm. I was, I was young and had had a really disheartening experience at a place that at least Danielle and I were, Danielle and I kind of missed each other by like a couple years at like a few different places. And so like, or like we have like, like we were just like aware of the same things. And so like I was at Japanese for a summer and it was like a profitable, like fun kind of summer, but also that place was terrible as far as like culture um, and just like generally like how I felt they treated, they treated their guests. And I don't mean it was like a, an, uh, Ed DeBevix where you go in and like someone's like what's up dickheads like it wasn't like one of those like fun to be like mean to customers kinds of places it was just one of those places where like you would get like my my favorite was um if someone ordered a ginger beer or like a ginger ale and rum and they're like can you put like a lime wedge on it that'd be like 12 bucks and mind you this was not eight nine years I mean this is a while ago they'd be like oh it's like 12 bucks but if someone said I want a dark and stormy and you press a dark and stormy button, it was like $16 because it was a classic cocktail. And I was like, what? This just seems predatory. This seems stupid. Like this doesn't add up as far as like, we're clearly taking advantage of people's lack of knowledge and we're not really giving them anything like as a, as a, so in that way, I felt like Japanese really treated its customers poorly. They also didn't like ever rotate their menu. Like they just stuck to like what they had. And it just didn't feel like what I knew of hospitality at the time. And so I was like burned out after a summer there. Um, and really, I just wanted to start a company where we could like teach people how to make cocktails. We teach cocktail classes. And um, I started the business, which was just like getting a Facebook page and like doing a few other things. At the time, it felt like a monumental uh, accomplishment. And then like the reality of it set in, which was that like, you don't have any money for marketing. You didn't even know marketing was a thing you had to have money for. You don't have a budget. Meanwhile, there's a company with a a friend at the time who was doing exactly the same thing, who I had approached about doing Four Souls, kind of coming up alongside next to us. And she hit the ground running in a way that I thought was really respectable, um, but also super frustrating because like, I was like, hey, let's do this together. And then somewhere in that process it turned into like we're not competing companies and i folded quick hard like i had no concept of like what it was actually going to take um and it was in that way you know but i knew i knew that i needed something besides myself i needed a different voice a different face just i needed i always felt like my side of the coin was only one side of the coin and that we needed that second side um so i went into this 
from the inception thinking that like I would like to have a second person. Um, and so I met Danielle after I decided, hey, maybe this entrepreneurship shit is not for you because man, this is hard and like you are not really doing anything with it. Got went back to just like getting a real job, was working at Nelcoat pretty expressly with the intention of then taking over other properties. So like Nelcoat was attached to RM. And then they had Old Town Social as well. Met Danielle. She was behind the bar at Nelcoat. We instantly kind of had a thing because I feel like we just knew, like, I don't really know what it was, honestly. Like, I don't know at all why. Like, she was great. She was, like, dry, sarcastic. But also, like, aside from the sort of, like, top-level things, like, there was just a way that she moved that I really appreciated. There was, like, an intentionality and just sort of, like, a like very much like this is done, this is done, this is done kind of a way that she did things matter of factly um, that I thought was pretty cool. And then like, I don't know, a year after that, I started to get sick of the job and I was like, Danielle would be perfect for this. So we met at like a subway. I don't even know if you remember this. We met at, we met at a subway on North Avenue because it was the closest thing to Old Town Social because I had like, I would do like 15 hour days and I'd spend like a whole work day at Nelcoat and then like a whole work day at Old Town Social. And there was no in between. And like, it was either all or nothing with these guys. And I had like one day off maybe, but also I was always on call and I met her at a subway and I was like, I have this idea. I kind of told her about poor souls. I was like, it's like this other company, but like we're the sort of like cooler, like more real, like just like the less foofy frilly version of that company. And I just kind of remember her being like, yeah, I mean, that makes fucking sense like i get i get where you're coming from like let's let's try it and then and i'm sorry i didn't mean for this to be so long but basically what happened was for the next eight years we tried to make it work together and like i would call her if i had something i would call her if she if if i knew that I, if i ever needed a second person it was always her it just wasn't always a let's do this together and approach things together that was my that was my like my like gut check moment in in like probably like the last eighteen months was that like I finally am just like you do things you do certain things much much better than I do. I want you to be half of this because I want us to be better. And so yeah, it was at a subway, and then there were other there were more times throughout the years where we just kind of had these conversations where I really thought like we were at the tip of the iceberg. Where I could finally bring her in, and finally. And it was never there and I would never let control go and I would never like fully bring her in until like we were already behind. And that was, I think, a, a sticking point for us a lot was that like she would always be brought into these fire drills. Meanwhile, she'd be like, hey, it doesn't have to be a fire drill all the time. Like, let's just maybe start telling me things before we're before they're already late, before we're already like day of and you have to make seven trips like I can do stuff, too. And so, yeah, it just, it start, we started at a subway on North Avenue and uh, finally it took a pandemic and a few other things. But now like I have successfully let probably more than 50% of this go to like her and her and her pragmatic nature. So that was, yeah, that was a not brief history. Sorry, that was that. Well, as someone who's uh, seen Danielle in a couple different capacities working, I think you made a great choice because this woman is an assassin. Um, yeah, it's literally her title. She is the ninja, like with juice and with poor souls. She is. <laughs> she said it jokingly, maybe. I don't even know if she was actually kidding, but like, that's what's on her. Like, yes, ninja. 
So how you touched on this briefly, but how has the business model changed during the pandemic? It's like, obviously we've moved to like virtual classes and things like that, but what else has changed for you guys and how did you pivot um, to make it more 2020 friendly, I guess? Um. Uh, Danielle, I mean, I, I want you to take a stab at this one too, but I like just as the, yeah. as like the, as the person who was sort of like kind of driving the train for a very long time, it feels less like a pivot where like, we're not a full service restaurant that like never considered meal kits and things like that. Like, it's not that kind of pivot where we're doing something that's kind of just a sh- shell or a false approximation of what we used to be, if that makes sense. Our pivot has been more like all we've had to do is fully explore the original mission statement, which has always been cocktails for people, right? Like that's it. That's that's five words or whatever, three words. And all we've had to do during quarantine is figure out what that means when you are not handing someone a cocktail. So bottled products, our cocktail starters, um, you know, something where we can affect your social gathering, we can affect your day, your weekend, your afternoon at the park um, by giving you a no, you know, like you don't have to think about it. You open the bottle, the instructions are on the side. As long as you have ice and Topo Chico, you're in a pretty good spot. And even if you don't have Topo, you're still in a pretty good spot. Like, so we have that. We have the Zoom cocktail classes. We're working on we're working on juice. And so it's been less of a pivot and more just like kind of like an exploration of what we mean when we say cocktails for the people. And is that a thorough enough mission statement such that it can exist without us having physical contact with people? And the answer is has been overwhelmingly yes. Yeah, I think there was, I mean, by doing the especially in the beginning, by doing the cocktail starters and to go cocktails and that sort of thing, like just continuing to do what we were already doing when we were doing in-person events and going into people's homes and teaching them cocktails by just saying, Hey, we can still do those things. Like this is how we're going to do it. And, um, and it was definitely like a learning curve for everyone, but it's been, I mean, I feel like when you do hundreds of cocktail classes, in a December, like who knew that was going to happen? And I mean, it worked. And now it's just like, and like Tim was saying, it's kind of become like just who we are now at this point. Like we've just opened ourselves up to like these other opportunities. I would keep doing to go cocktails and these cocktail classes online. I know people will eventually get sick of it, but it also works. And in it's better than like setting up a makeshift bar in someone's office. <laughs> Which yeah. we've done a lot. And <laughs> there's like a different sense of intimacy, like being at your home, like what like everybody's at their home. So you're kind of welcoming each other into like a little slice of your personal life. You know, like I feel like a lot of people really upped their like wall art and plant game in this past year to like <laughs> sure. set the stage behind them for all of these Zoom calls. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, But something that always caught my eye about every event that you guys did is, well, not every event, but I know a lot of the events that you do have some kind of 
charitable component. So why? Um, why is that important to you? Why is that built into your mission? And then how do you choose who you're going to support? Uh, that's a good question. Um, a lot of it for me is just kind of like, and I, I think that there's like a, I don't want to just deflect and say like gut instinct because it's not a real answer, but there's a certain amount of it. That's like, there's a certain amount of it. That's just like, I don't, I don't feel like this is as impactful. I feel like if you do in the way that I do constantly, like, right. There's like, what's the, the, the meme that's like, you know, nobody love, love something the way Chicago people love telling you that they're from Chicago, whatever it is. Like, that's, I'm absolutely that person. Like I live my life by that. It's super annoying. Um, and I think a part of what we set out to do, at least in this last year, as we've gotten more serious about this and as we've sort of been relegated to, again, like not being able to have massive events and blah, 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 is like this summer really fucked with me. Like this summer really fucked with me. Um, and I think the week that George Floyd was murdered was the week that I was sort of seeing, fuck it. What happened was I watched George George Floyd get murdered and I watched it and then I couldn't watch it again. And then it felt like everybody knew that they were supposed to do something, but nobody knew. Everything was the same. Everything was the same. And I, and I don't and I don't mean that in a way to like discredit or discount um, people's efforts, but it felt like there was a lack of I could see in what I was seeing what in the output that I was seeing, I wasn't seeing anything new. So if if you're telling me that this this event, this thing that happened is profound in some way, but your response is the same and not profound in any way then I don't, then I know that you saw it, but I don't know that you were affected by it. And I couldn't really wrap my head around that because of how it was affecting me. I couldn't stop looking at my phone. I was on Instagram for hours every day, watching new stuff. Just, I mean, I was mindless. Joni couldn't get me to stop. Danielle would check in. Hey, how are you doing? What's going on? Do you need anything? And I couldn't put anything into words. And then and there was a moment where I saw somebody else doing, oh, it was like 15% of all proceeds. And I was like, who fucking, who cares? Who cares about 15% of all proceeds? We were all people who do what we do. 15% of all proceeds means 15% of a very small margin. So we're taking a very small percentage of a very small percentage. And it's like, no one needs this like fucking Tom's shoes, like fake outreach for my brand kind of thing. Like, fuck it. And I felt as a black man, as somebody who felt especially vulnerable by watching in watching that video and then in my interactions with people and with police and just with the world, I felt like we wanted to do something that was more profound. I didn't want to have the same sort of like, here's the cut of a cut. And I wanted to go all in for Chicago because I felt like there were people that were being affected. And somehow in a moment of everybody being affected negatively, we had the opportunity to continue to grow a business. And I felt profoundly grateful for that and my way to get myself out of my funk. And it was very 
selfish. The way that I decided that we were going to get ourselves out of it was I was going to work for 96 hours, more or less straight. I mean, we slept five or six hours a night, but like we were going to work for 96 hours to raise as much money as we possibly could, which meant not a percentage of proceeds, every dollar of everything that we sold. So we absorbed the cost. Um, Every dollar of everything that we sold was going to go towards something that made me feel like we were doing something because I felt fucking stuck. Like I just felt paralyzed and stuck. And so for an entire weekend, we gave every single dollar that we made selling cocktail starters to, we, we committed that we were going to donate to my block, my hood, my city. They had very specifically a, a fund that was for other small businesses that had been affected by, um, by, by protests turned violent by riots. And so I felt, you know what, I can help other entrepreneurs in a weird, that's weird. It's weird to think that like, as another small business, you can actually help affect other small businesses. Like, it's like, how do I even have, like, it was so dope to be able to have the, the means to do that. Um, and so we just did. And so that's what we did. And picking like Jamal's amazing. And like, if you've never heard him speak or been to any of their events or volunteered for them, um, and his biggest thing is what can you do for your block? Like, just like, that's his mission is like, look outside your neighborhood. Like, what can you do? So I think that's in picking him, uh, I mean, or anyone that we have like chosen to like donate to, it was, what are they also doing? Like, why are, what's their mission in giving back? Who are they giving back to? Instead of just being like, hey, we're going to give money to somebody so that we feel better about ourselves. Because whatever minimal platform this is, we have a voice. and. Why wouldn't we use it? Yeah. There, there was a there was also just a thing, a certain amount of responsibility that I felt that we had to Chicago. I mean, I see people like you know Lucy and Jorge that are just like like we we will get together and like we're the most annoying Chicago kids, blah blah blah. Like we're the worst when it comes to that. Like, but that's that's our thing. Like that's our credo. Is like. Who who can we affect with what we do on a daily? And like, don't get me wrong, like this is very much like a capitalist venture. Like, I'm trying to make money. Like, I would like for this to be, you know, like I've wanted nothing more for the last 10 years than to go to Danielle in earnest and say, hey, like, part-time thing here, that thing you're doing over here, those three days behind the bar, like all that shit, you don't have to do that anymore. Like, I want us to be able to drive this thing full time together for sure. So, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, that's definitely part of it. But in that moment, it just felt like, and in the in in times past, and it's sort of part of now the makeup of the of what Poor Souls is. Is we have a skill set, and that skill set, you know, I've seen people so creatively use such random skill sets to benefit other people, and I feel like what we do very specifically, like, has not always been that sort of mindset or mind frame. You go to work, you give your bar back X percent, you take X percent from the service. It's very like transactional. And for me, I just felt in that moment, I felt an overwhelming sense of responsibility to this city to do something about it. And again, selfishly, you give that love, you get that love. Like there's never been more times that we've had more traction and just like generally more exposure than when we're like, hey, like, do you have a cool charitable thing that like you may not have the budget for like whatever, 
that's fine. Like we can go out, we can find the sponsor to like give us the booze, pay for the ingredients. And like, I want your shit to look dope. So like, it's like in that spirit and with that mindset that like we have approached, I think the last, you know, full year of, of business and what we are and what we will continue to be. All right. So I'm going to switch gears just for a second here, because I have a question and I would like to ask it. It sounds like this business started from a place of not wanting to continue doing what you were doing before. You said you were working like super long shifts at both of these places, very rarely had a day off. And if you did have a day off, you were on call. And then Danielle, you said you got shifts, you're doing a bunch of other things on top of poor souls. So it seems like this company has become a way to um, preserve your mental health in a way. So I wanted to ask, like, how are you looking after your mental health? Because like after hearing, you know, the struggles of this summer and then doing that, you know, marathon weekend to raise funds and stuff like that. Like, what are you two doing specifically to look out for yourself to make sure that you are not getting burnt out? Um, I think for me, kind of what I've always done, um, it's like a routine, like, and I, even if it's super boring, it, it like, I do the same thing for the like first like two or three hours of every day, just so I can like mentally prepare myself for whatever's coming in the rest of the day. So if it's dog stuff and working out and a cup of tea, like that's what I'll do. And, and, and that is what I do on a regular basis. Um, and it does, you know, it wears on you being in the industry and those long shifts and no days off and, if you didn't learn anything from 2020, it's that you don't have to do that. Like it's okay to like stop and just be and kind of live and it helps. Um, I mean, I'm a big fan of therapy. Like I don't think it always works in every scenario. Like I don't go all the time. Um, sometimes yes. Like I really want to talk to someone, but also sometimes I'm good if I can just like keep that routine work out, like talk to a friend, like, you know, and I'm really, like, it takes time and like, just like real conversations with yourself. You have to be really self-aware about like what affects you, how you let it affect you and what you're going to do with that. Like, how do you like, Hey, this situation or this person really like got to me and I don't want it to get to me. So what do I do? Like, how do I deal with that? And whether it's, you know, you go for a run or you need to talk to a therapist, like it's finding those things that like work for you. I mean, we're all different. Um, but for me, that's what works. So like, I'm constantly try to shed like all of that, like outer, like I don't take on like more than I can take on anymore. Like whether it's physically or mentally, because I, I'm just, I won't be useful to anyone and I'd rather be useful and continue to like be able to, you know, function and live my life and not just go to work, but live my life. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it's a lot. I mean, 
it's a lot of the same for me. And I think it's just embracing um, consistency and a routine. Um, a lot of times, I mean, I, 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 you know, you guys are more aware than probably anybody, this sort of like hustle, hustle porn, like, no, never stop. Like, you're just like, fuck dude like really i can't ever stop like that doesn't seem honor you know that doesn't seem and i you know initially like when i first when i first started hustling i was like i was like yeah it's gotta be if you don't if you don't feel like shit you're probably not hustling you got a full night's sleep like like looking down on people that are like and that was because of who i was working for and so like in this time without any of that i think what i've kind of come up with is like being able to shut down at night is probably the coolest thing ever. Like, cause normally it's like, especially when working on the brand side, you have like your daytime shit. And then it's like, Oh, but like, don't get too comfortable. Cause like starting at seven o'clock, you have to go five places. And like, you have to do that four nights or five nights or six nights a week. And like, yeah, I think for me, like, it's just been, it's just been embracing that. Like at some point in the night, it's okay to like put your phone down, stop responding tell people, Hey, I'll do this tomorrow. Or like, not just because somebody's available tomorrow at 10. Like if you have something at 10, 15, like maybe push that thing till Thursday. Like it's just, it's been, it's been pretty cool. And Danielle has sort of like silently reinforced that there've been days when she's been like, Hey, like not right now. And like, I've taken some of that from her. Um, I don't know if you're allowed to say this on this podcast, but like, weed is pretty awesome like there is not that's not something that like i used to i didn't used to smoke very much and i don't smoke a lot now but just like there is something about being able to sort of say like my time starts now and then like we can reset the day i just feel like sometimes you get into that like endless like i don't know what are the cliches hamster on a wheel blah 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 where you're like nighttime doesn't feel any different from daytime there's no there's no like whatever and so like you know a workout every day and and having a time in the evening where like i'm doing i'm doing something different now that's you know that sort of definitive shut off um and also not starting at 100 like not immediately starting like like when we talk to each other in the morning there's always like a good morning if we're ready to start this, like, it's sort of like a, it's like a consent. <laughs> there's like, this like, it's like, it's like, a yeah, consent consent, thing. Like, like, what can you handle? Like, yeah. Like, are you, yes. Okay, cool. Like today she was like, are you ready to have, and I was like, oh fuck. Like, I don't know what this is going to be, but like, if I had said, give me till 1030, I know that she would have said like, cool. 1030 is, is fine. So, so just that like definitive stop and start has been, has been great. And it's a really simple thing, but it's really, it's been really hard for the last like eight or 10 years. Yeah. I think that based on what both of you said, like it just reinforced something that seems really obvious, but like when, you know, you take on more than you can, or if you get into something before you're ready, you're only going to let down more like yourself and more people. I am also like a notorious, like I have like 400 million things going on at once. And then like when I break, it's like I break for everyone and I feel way worse than if I was just like, Hey, this is what I can handle. And then, you know, (laughs) set boundaries. And then I could like not disappoint everyone all at once. Right. So I think that you guys just really um, brought a lot of insight to 
things. <laughs> Absolutely. Let our failures be your like success. <laughs> I love that. So tell me about Husky Run Club. Husky Boys Run Club? Yeah. The Husky Boys Run Club was something that was kind of a joke. And it still is, but like also something that I still fully intend to like bring to life. Um so Husky Boys Run Club is basically it started as just a, it is it's just a hashtag that we that I use on on um on Instagram because I hated running and probably two years ago I decided that like um I decided that how I was living my life was probably not sustainable um, as I started to make. As I started to make more and more separation from the typical, um, you know, behind the bar five days a week, like that sort of like in it kind of lifestyle. Um, once I left Blind Barber, I realized that they were just parts of my life that weren't sustainable. And so, um, you know, I just wanted to have some fun with it. And then um, I found a designer who was like, yeah, I would love to like work on that and like just like put some stuff together. Um, but the idea is that like, you know, for me, running or lifting or doing whatever I'm doing, like I'm still a big dude. Like I'm still like 240 plus. Like I still outweigh like 45% of the NFL, which doesn't make any sense at all. Like I'm just a normal person living my life and I'm like larger than some people that get paid to be massive. And so like I I know that like for me running is not like running, lifting, it's not necessarily like an endless pursuit of just like jumping on the scale, losing a bunch of weight. It's more like um it's more just like for my mentals, like for, you know, when I start a day with a workout, I know how different that day is going to feel than if I push that workout to five or six versus if I don't get to it at all. And so Husky Boys was like, yeah, like I'm kind of just, I'm embracing the fact that like I'm too, I'm 34 years, 35 years old. I think probably getting back down to like my college, you know, like 180, like that's probably a little bit out of the question. And so it's just like, it's just like a fun way to kind of like poke fun at the fact that like, yeah, not everything is about just like getting those like show muscles back. It's more like, it's more like, you know, you, you, you can, you can do this and and not necessarily have that like, ta-da, like I'm done moment. It's more like, it's a consistent, it's a consistent thing. Like you're going to work for like two and three and four and five years and hopefully see some results. But at the very least, like on a daily basis, you're chipping away at like, something so husky boys run club is just like it's a reminder that like you can embrace where you're at and be happy where you're at and be happy with the work um and and it reminds me to be more process oriented than results oriented love that and it's also dope that danielle's involved um every once in a while because to see danielle wearing a husky boy shirt is hilarious as she does workouts that are like like I sometimes I make the mistake of asking her like we'll see our workout and I'll be like how, like when did you finish and she's like oh like 32 minutes and I'm like minute 51 and I'm like what the fuck man there's no way that a human finished this <laughs> any faster than I am right now so yeah it's it's just about it's about process not or not results I proudly wear that shirt <laughs> we're getting um, we're we're getting the same we for me like so <laughs> What does the future, I know you said that you've been working on this new thing called Juice. Will you tell us a little bit about that and what the future of Poor Souls looks like? Danielle, you want to do that one? 
question. Um, Juice is going to be a bottle shop in the West Loop um, starting this spring. Uh, We are partnering with Derek Westbrook, um, big wine guy in the city, worked for Alinea, um, opened 57th Street Wines, uh, was a managing partner at 1340 um, on West Madison. Uh, so that's actually where we met him. And so the three of us are going to revamp that bottle shop into our own thing. Um, and then I think for us, it was juice is sort of this, like, sorry, dog barking, (laughs) um, this very fluid like thing, um, where we wanted to, it's kind of all encompassing. It's, you know, um, beer, wine, spirits, cocktails. Uh, I'm going to get Ernie, so he'll stop. Um, Tim, you can finish for... <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's something that uh, came about pretty naturally. Um, Danielle sort of gets to play her role in a different setting. So she kind of like, you know, Derek and I are kind of the creative, whatever, wandering, leaving everything half done types. And Danielle is like, okay, this is what we need to do to make this work. Um, and not in like a babysitting sort of way, just like that's her strength. And we, like, I'm forever in tune with like all the things that I'm not great at, I hope, I think. Um, and she just, I think we just compliment each other really well. I just want to make it seem like she's just sort of like, she's not just like following behind us, like making sure that we don't drop things. She's more like, hey, like she can see bigger picture much better than Den- much better than Derek and I can. Derek and I are both like, Hey, there's this one thing that I'm going to do. And like, I'm going to have tunnel, tunnel vision for like 72 hours. Like when I come up for air, let's talk about something else. And she's the one that's sort of like, when we're in that like catatonic mode, she's like still steering the ship in the right direction. Um, I think how juice and poor souls tie together. One is that juice is a combination of two really strong, really fun brands. Um, Derek and I, and Danielle, we all approach spirits, wine, beer the same way, which is that like, if it's not good, I'm not really interested. Or if you don't like it, then as far as you're concerned, it's not good. And then it's not it's not in my interest to convince you that something is good that you don't like. I'd like to find what you like and figure out a way for us to get on the same page. So that sort of core philosophy, right, by the by way of his his wine classes, our cocktail classes, um, and then also our selection, we can sort of forward that narrative that like we have something for you. We just have to figure out what it is that you what you like. Um, and that, I mean, that goes from, you know, from $180 bottles of wine to, to, to finding, you know, ethically produced, um, you know, better for you kinds of seltzers. Like it runs the gamut. Like we want to have things that are for everybody, just of a particular, um, ilk and of a particular quality. And then at that point it's all free reign. Um, but beyond that, you know, how, you know, specifically poor souls, I think something that we're going to do there that you know, I don't know that it's been done before is like, we're going to, we're going to institute the idea of this, this like kind of cocktail counter where you can come and you can get, you know, like the starters are not something that are going to necessarily be bottled packaged on the shelf. They're going to be something that you can walk up to this sort of, I mean, think like a deli counter. The idea is that you're going to be able to walk up, you're going to be order, be able to order your starter by size. Um, You're going to get corresponding Topo Chico with that. Um, The size will correspond with whatever bottle you're buying. So like, you know, we'll make sure that you're not buying a, a three, seven, five and a one liter of something. We, we have the idea, we have the ability to sort of put these things together. You're going to be able to get your ice. 
um, garnishes and that kind of stuff. And so to be this sort of one-stop shop, you can get wine, you can get beer, you can get spirits, you can get things for your spirits, you can get garnishes, you can do all that. And juice is meant to just be the sort of the one-stop shop for somebody who's trying to have a good time. Um, but all with a base, you know, with the base foundation of like, this is all good shit. You know, you don't have to worry about, you know, you don't have to worry about picking up something that's like trash. You guys are going to crush, especially in the West Loop. Better believe. So on that note, we would like to hear about what your personal features look like. What do you got going on? What are some goals? I have a hard time separating personal and, and poor souls because it is very much a personal brand for me. The, the Instagram and all that stuff is, is just me. And so poor souls has always been just a reflection of whatever we're doing. Um, and so there's definitely, maybe that's a shortcoming. It's like figuring out how to separate the two. Um, but I also think that I I don't feel bad about that. Like I feel comfortable in that. It doesn't make me anxious. And so I think if it made me anxious, it would be something that I would be more invested in kind of separating. But I think because I feel okay about it, that like, we just kind of, we are, we're sort of this like symbiotic, like you are the brand and the brand is you. And, um, yeah, I think, I, I don't know. I think, I think juice you know, juice is, is a personal, is a personal goal. Um, you know, ownership, like that's, that's the goal. That's always the goal, right? Like ownership, um, and not just, you know, uh, you know, ownership in something that you can, you can walk into it, you can unlock it, you can open it down, you can close it. You can like, that's cool. Like that's, that's pretty dope. Like I, I don't, I've never really experienced that. And so, um, that's, that's a personal goal. That's a personal accomplishment that I, that I feel like is in the, is is within reach um getting back on the road like traveling like we did a road trip i did not used to be that kind of person like two hour drive to my aunt's house was like you have snacks did you go to the bathroom do you like do where's our midpoint like it was a very dramatic thing and then we did like chicago to colorado in like eight hour increments and so you know getting back out there and just kind of like seeing the world again is pretty cool um would be pretty cool um and then you know honestly just being I think one of the cool things about where we're at now and my personal sense of responsibility is, is I have a, I have a personal sense of responsibility to, to the people in my life to, to be somebody for them in a way that makes, to be there for people in a way that they need me to be there, not just in a way that is how I think I should or can do it. And that's been, Danielle and I have had some rough spots where like understanding what she needs and what I need are different. And that it's not particularly valuable for me to be there only in the way that I know how, like I have to grow and learn. And so personally, I really am looking forward to another year of trying to figure people out and trying to be there for people in the way that they need me, not in the way that is most comfortable for me. What about you, Dan? Um, Yeah. I mean, I think, it's also hard to separate. Um, obviously, like the career stuff is like you sort of take that on as like, this is who I am. So I think a big thing is trying to keep those distinctions. Like I'm a person, this is my job. They're not the same. Um, so 
I don't know. I have spent a lot of this time, like trying to like, just be more self-aware and more grateful and to myself, to people around me. And I think those are important things. And I want to continue to do that. Um, I can't wait to go places again. Um, you know, that's, I think we all miss traveling. Um, we miss the outside world. So, um, I'm ready for that vaccine. Um, yeah. And kind of just maintaining the things that I've, I've built. Um, I, I'm a lot older than most of y'all. So I have done a lot of this for, so not, you know, it gets better. Like, I mean, I can say that, like, if you start, you know, I did this like 10 years ago where I was like, I'm not going to drink every night after work and I'm going to go home and I'm going to work out and yeah, get that routine and like, you know, only carry what you can carry. And that's going to continue to be like my personal goal. I really appreciate all the advice that you've given throughout this podcast today. I think it's going to be really useful to a whole gamut of people. So I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. I think this was a really great conversation and really amazing insight for any folks who are trying to um, create something or create a new business or make a side hustle their main hustle. So thank you so much. I really do appreciate all of the insight and we will um, we will attach everything in the info so you can check out these guys and see what they're doing. And please learn a lesson from all of us. And when we ask you to please hustle responsibly. Mm-hmm.